Welcome everybody to the third episode of the Double Double. I'm Kelly Hogan and I'm I'm joined by David Dixon. David, how you doing? Doing great, Kel. You know, just watching a little all star game action on a on a great Sunday night in, in Middletown, Connecticut. There we go. Sounds sounds like you're living the dream. Living uh, the dream. To all the listeners. Yeah, to all the listeners who listened to the uh, the first two episodes. Um, thank you. We are we're on SoundCloud still. We are. Uh, we also just got approved by uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on iTunes. Please, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars um, only. Yes, thank you. Five stars. Um, and if you have an Android, uh, for the time being, you're you're out of luck. SoundCloud. But uh, yeah, SoundCloud. I guess I guess you can can go go to that. Um, so today we're gonna we're gonna dive in and kind of give a deep dive on the MVP. Um, kind of where we see the top five standing here at the All Star break. Um, obviously there's still, you know, 25 games left or so in the season, so a lot can change, but this is kind of how, how David and I see it, um, as of now. So kind of before we get into that, David, what, cause, cause it's kind of murky, um, you know, these MVP talks, cause a lot of mm-hmm. people view value in different contexts. So to you, how do you interpret, um, the award of the most valuable player in the NBA? Yeah. So I definitely view it almost as not the best player in the world, because that would obviously go to LeBron James, but almost who had the best season and who was most impactful during the regular season. So the, so the key things that I look for is obviously great individual stats, but I also want to see that on a team that is a true contender and is having a great season, because that means that you are extremely valuable to a team that is going places and in theory, without you, if they if you were to be replaced by a, a replacement level player, what would the hypothetical impact be on that team if if you were taken off that team? So so that's kind of where I look at where value is, and then just personally, I also try to imagine if if I was on the team, how much I would enjoy playing with a certain player. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty much on the same page there. Um, I, I kind of just view it as like added value to a team because of an individual's presence and you know winning is obviously important but as we saw with uh russell westbrook a couple years ago when he won the mvp while averaging a triple double winning isn't everything um but Mm -hmm. you obviously you can't win mvp if you're you know anthony davis and you're watching the playoffs at home so that that's not really possible and then the one thing that i also kind of factor in if it's close as is the case uh currently if it's hard to decipher really who is more valuable between two candidates. Um, I, I will almost look at it in terms of who has been more valuable overall to the league. So who has, you know, brought more eyeballs, been a more, um, you know, interesting story and, and kind of things of that nature. So if it comes down to a situation where it's, um, you know, very tight, I'll almost look at it from the league's perspective and say, who has been more valuable to the league? So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing that I, when I kind of thought about this and sat down and, and made my list, that was something I took into account. I like it. You're, you're taking in YouTube views and, and Twitter, you know, clicks and, and all that stuff. And it's a, who's helping bring eyeballs to, to our great league at the NBA, something that, that we love and want to share with as many people as possible. Yes, sir. So uh, I'm not sure where you want to get started. Where do you want to jump to first? Yeah, so the first guy who, who I really want to talk about is, is Joel Embiid. 
And he is having a sensational season. He's averaging almost 27 points a game, I think, 13 and a half rebounds, and two blocks a game. And he is just putting up numbers. He is killing it. He's a force and a beast down low. And the Sixers are winning. They're 37 and 21 as we're recording on All Star Night. They're winning great stats. He's a guy who I would love to play with. And bonus points, his social media presence is is just top notch. Yeah, no, I, I love him um, as a player. I think he's quite the character. I think he probably has the best personality and, as you said, social media presence probably in the league. I, I, I don't know if that's uh, – that might be up for debate, but off the top of my head right now, I can't really, can't really think of any other guys who – who would take that that honor from him? Um, honestly, I'm impressed mm-hmm. by his health because his first couple his first couple yeah. of years in the league, I thought he this would just be a guy, not not Greg Oden because that's I mean that that's a shame what happened to him. But I thought Joel Embiid would be a guy who would play, you know, 45, 50 games a year and would be resting, you know, every second night of a back to back, just because. I mean, he's he's seven one, and it's j- j- his first couple years in the league. It just didn't seem as though he would be able to play seventy five games a year as he's he did last year, and it looks like he's going to do this year. Um, so mm-hmm. so we're kind of doing our top five. Joel Embiid is was my sixth option, so he was the first player I left off. I th- I think uh-huh. I'm not really uh, so that, that's not really a slight. First of all, like just he's sixth. He just didn't crack the top five. I think Joel Embiid's a great player. I think he's in a great situation, and I think you could probably make the argument that he's the best big man in the game. I don't think that's a crazy statement if someone wanted to take that stance. I think that the only guy who you could debate is with him is a guy who we're going to talk about a little bit later in this podcast, which is Nikola Jokic of the, of the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, no, for sure. But Embiid's definitely in that discussion. Um, I think his defense, last year his defense was, you know, like he was arguably second uh, in terms of defensive player of the year. Obviously, Rudy Gobert is is kind of a different animal on that end. But I think this year his defense is somewhat slipped, and I think he's shot uh, a little too many threes for my liking, and a lot of that is due to his situation with uh, the lack of spacing due to Ben uh, Ben Simmons' jump shot or lack thereof. Um, so that's somewhat not really his fault, but it, it is kind of a consequence of the way Philly plays and the lineup they they want to roll out there. But um, also, and then, but also yeah. to to stop you there, I actually don't think that him taking all these threes is necessarily such a bad thing because it's you know the modern NBA, and I agree that he's such a force near the basket, but. He's, he's shooting about the same as he did last year from three. He's made 64 threes in 54 games this year compared to 66 threes in 63 games last year. So he's making more threes than he did last year in terms of per game. So, yeah, no, I, so it's a weapon for them. Yeah, I, so I think, I think Joel Embiid, I think you have, you have met third, correct? Correct. Yeah, so I, I have him at sixth. Uh, I, I don't think it's crazy for you to have him at third. 
Um, and kind of given what we just laid out, he's obviously in the discussion. I think certainly Philadelphia's acquisition of Tobias Harris, it might limit his uh, production or offensive production at least over the next two months of the season. But I think them winning, if they can you know, jump into maybe third or second in the East, that will certainly help his candidacy. But um, I almost feel we, we can talk about Katie and Steph a little later, but I almost feel that in Philly there's so much talent that it's hard to just clearly Embiid is the best player on their team, but they have so much other talent that it's hard for mm-hmm. me to really consider him as a most valuable uh, player candidate. Yeah, and it's interesting that, that, that you bring up the talent because they are an extremely talented team, but he's put up these huge numbers even before Harris got there. So really we're, we're looking at Embiid's numbers as of right now with with just Butler, him and Simmons, and he's averaging twenty-seven and and thirteen, and there's just there's just no one in in the league who is doing that, and he and he's just a force, man. He is he is hard to guard. He he dominates the game. He's averaging over ten free about ten free throws attempts per game. So there's just not much that you can do to stop him. Yeah, no, his his touch is impressive, and in the post, I. I mean, I never really got to see Hakeem Olajuwon other than on YouTube, but he almost seems like a blend of Hakeem and Shaq, which is just, it's frightening. But um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that. We'll let that rest. And you have him at third. I have him at six. The next guy we want to talk about, Damian Lillard. I have Dame at five. I'm not sure if you have him ranked at all or not. Uh, but No ranking me, for Damian you Lillard don't? this year. Okay. That's too bad. That's I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. He, um, you're sleeping on Dame, kind of like the rest of rest of well, America. Well, I was unaware but, that we were allowed to have six choices. I only did five. No, no. I, I hey, I, I had five, but Joel Embiid was my first cut. So that's gotcha. Yeah. Um, but no, to me, Dame. He, he's the closest thing there is to Stephen Curry in the league. He is, you know, Stephen Curry light. When he he steps over half court. I mean, he's a threat to pull from deep. Mm-hmm. And in the pick and roll, he is a, he's surgical. Um, I mean, C.J. McCollum is underrated, similarly to Dame, and that's probably a product of them playing in Portland. Um, but, I mean, Dame fights wars on a nightly basis, single-handed. The only person who's kind of in the playoff race that can make a similar argument, I think, is Kemba Walker. I think the two of them... You know, they go night in and night out, and they are asked to do so much with so little help. And I kind of think it goes underappreciated. I mean, Dame's putting up 26, five boards, and six rebounds, or six assists right now. And he's doing it. He's shooting 43% from the field, which isn't great, but he's kind of asked to do a ton. Mm -hmm. And he's shooting 91% from the line, which which is very impressive. Yeah. But, um, he's, I mean, I, I just think he, he needs more recognition than he gets. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of my stance on Dame. Yeah, you know, he's, a, he's obviously a, a great player and he's having a great season. But, you know, the thing about Dame is I think playing in, in Portland really hurts his, his MVP candidacy in terms of just the national media attention that a lot of these guys have to have. And... His running mate is a great player in C.J. McCollum, but it's not a guy who really moves the needle 
on a national level. He's CJ is a is more of a basketball junkies guy, who, who who's really appreciated by by guys who love NBA basketball, but but for all the people who who get most of their NBA news from Instagram and and Twitter, you you're not watching a lot of Blazers highlights there. No, no doubt. And I mean, he's also he's in the, he's in the podcast game. So those of us who who listen obviously have heard his the pull up with CJ yep. McCollum. But uh, I think he's eventually he's going to take the crown from Mike Conley as the best player in the league to have never made an all-star game. I think uh, CJ, he's, he's averaging 21, 22 points a game. And, I mean, so Dame does have a little bit of help. But when you're, when you're third best player, I mean, Yusuf Nurkic is having a good season. But Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkas, when you're relying on these guys to make threes, uh, that's, that's problematic. I have a question for you. Where would you rank Damian Lillard in terms of point guards in the in the Western Conference? Point guards in the Western Conference. I'm Steph Curry is first, but um, I mean behind Steph, I'd have to really think about that. Uh, I'd probably, I mean, off the top of my head, I'd probably put him two. So, so you would rather have Damian Lillard than Russell Westbrook? No doubt about it. I love Russ. I love how hard he plays. I'd take Damian Lillard every day of the week over Russell Westbrook. The, old, the Another one who I would consider, but I wouldn't take over him, and quite frankly, I might take him above Russ, depending on the situation, is, um, is Drew Holiday. Now you're just talking crazy. I don't think so. I think, I think Drew Holiday, his defense, and I mean, quite frankly, Drew Holiday, I mean, he, he stuffed Dame and CJ in the playoffs last year. So I don't, I don't think it's crazy to take Drew over Russ. If you press me on that, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's hard to pick against Russ, but I think Drew Holiday, man, I think he's, I think he's uh, another guy who's underrated, and that's in large part due to the market he plays in. Yeah, and also because he's clearly second fiddle on his team as well. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's get into uh, to Jokic. So I have him. I have him fourth, and you have him fifth. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on Nikola Jokic? He is the best big man passer in the NBA, and I, I he he's fifth for me because of the defensive concerns, but from what he brings on offense to the Denver Nuggets, and it's just made them so exciting and fun to watch this year, and really one of the big surprises of the NBA. A lot of people probably thought coming into, coming into the season that they were going to be competing for the 6 7 8 seed and then they they've crushed it the first half of first half of the season and a large part has just been because Jokic has just been awesome. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's making, you know, a three-pointer a game. He's averaging 20 and 10, but also over 7 assists a game too. The dude knows how to pass the rock and he's just a guy who as someone who plays basketball and you play basketball as well. You would just love to play on a on a team with with Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I mean he's he's probably what Arvidas Sabonis would have been if he would have come to the NBA in his prime. 100%. Nikola Jokic, he's you know he's not athletic. Nope. He, I mean, assuming he can still run up and down the court, this is a guy who, given his lack of athleticism, I could see playing for a while. He, um, he almost has like an old man's game 
Yeah, but he's at like age 23, 23, which is crazy. Yeah. He says, I mean, like, this is a guy who just knows angles on the basketball court. He just knows where people are going to be at the exact moment that they're going to be there to throw a pass. He knows, you know, he, he knows how to ball fake and pump fake and get guys. Just He can manipulate the whole court, which is just incredible at 23. But the reason why I have him fifth and then beat third is Jokic's 20 and 10, where he's the best player on the Nuggets, and Embiid is 27 and 13, and you could argue that that he has way more talent than, than the Nuggets. Yeah. I, my counter to that would just be that Jokic is leading a team that's 39 and 18 and second in the Western Conference. And he's also close to eight assists per game. Yep. So if you want to look at points generated versus points scored, I think Nikola Jokic generates more offense for his team than Embiid. At times, Embiid, we kind of already touched on him, but just one more point on him that I didn't make earlier. There's times where he becomes a black hole on offense. You know, you yep. get him the rock and you he gets tunnel vision and you know he's not passing. The defense helps in and... He's almost his own worst enemy at times. But mm-hmm. I want to just, just getting back to Jokic and the Nuggets. I'm not entirely sold on the Nuggets yet. I know they're, they're 39 and 18 and, and second in the West. Mike Malone's doing a great job. They got some young guys on the wing. Uh, Malik Beasley's been playing really well of late. Gary Harris, obviously, he's been hurt. But Jamal, Jamal Murray's also kind of coming into his own. But what are your thoughts on this um, comparison? So... Right now, as the as the Western Conference stands, there is maybe one team, possibly two, that I would certainly uh, favor Denver over. But the rest, I think, it's pretty close to a draw in terms of who would win or push. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you so th- so those Hawks teams back when they had Al Horford and Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, the Damari Carroll, those guys. Yep. I kind of view these Nuggets in a similar light where they're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. But when the postseason comes around, I, I kind of see them getting bounced early. And if you remember that Hawks team, I mean, everyone in the Eastern Conference was get, losing to uh, to LeBron and the Cavs. But but that team, they uh, they got stonewalled by LeBron. But So what do you think about that possible comparison of this this Nuggets team, you know, being very well – or playing very well in the regular season, obviously using the altitude in, in Denver to their advantage, but kind of struggling when the postseason hits? Well, I think that they are going to not necessarily struggle this year, but not get as far as their seeding might indicate they, they should go, because this would be the first year that this team is, is in the postseason, and, and the history of the NBA tell, tells us that that it's a progression for a lot of teams and great players and that success doesn't come immediately. That's part of what, what has made the Warriors uh, such a, a shock, with the, especially that, that first championship, was that they didn't face the, the, the same level of uh, adversity as a lot of other truly great teams in terms of climbing the ladder and getting to the championship and, and winning championships. But, but for Denver... I think that the big concern in, in, in the playoffs is is just Jokic's defensive ability and and their age. They're just a young team, and they don't know how to win yet in the playoffs. And I think it's unfair to, to compare them to those Hawks teams because 
everyone was losing to LeBron, and they and they weren't going to beat those those Cavs with LeBron playing at the at the level he was. So unless these Nuggets run into the Warriors, I don't think that they will underachieve. I think they'll give everyone a series, but I don't expect them to go past the conference semifinals this year. Right, and as a two seed, that's that's a uh, the Western Conference is very competitive, mm-hmm. clearly, and much more competitive than the Eastern Conference. But I think if you're the two seed and you, I mean, based on their seeding, they're expected to get to the conference finals, and I do not foresee a situation in which that's the case. Yeah, but but I think that that's also just because that's just the the hype around them is everyone wants them to be something that they're not and it's and no one is willing to wait out and let the process develop for them and, and let them reach their own heights when they when they're ready. Yeah. No, I thought I thought they have the young assets and when those A D trades were being tossed around, I thought they would have been an interesting team to just go make a run at him for, for a year. I know they wouldn't do that because there's no way AD signing in Denver, but an AD Jokic pairing, I thought would have been would have been very interesting. But um, all right, let's let's just move on to the next guy. So yep. Paul George, we we each have him in our top five. Yep. And to me, so there's three more guys we're going to talk about. You guys can probably guess the final two after Paul George, mm. but these last three are the only three who I could really see potentially winning the award this year. The, the others, like, great, we need a top five, but those are kind of semantics. I think Paul George has a legitimate shot at the MVP this year, and I think this year, similarly to, I believe it was 2017 when Russ won with the triple-double, uh, he averaged the triple-double, which he's now done two years prior, or two years after, so three years in a row he's averaged that. Mm-hmm. Um, along with Kawhi and Harden that year, they were both – viable candidates i think this year is similar to that but um so paul george obviously the thunder are third in the west at 37 and 20 what are your what are your thoughts on pg this year because he's hit a level that i'm not sure he's hit in his in his career prior to this year yeah so this is definitely the paul george that we all thought we would be seeing when he was in indiana battling lebron in those playoff series before he had that that horrific leg injury this is this is the this is the player who everyone thought he was going to become, and we, it's amazing that we finally get to see it because it means he's fully back and recovered from that horrific freak, just terrible injury. And you know, he has been the reason why the the Thunder have been so good this year. Twenty nine, eight and four a game, shooting forty five from the field, forty from three. 83 from the line, you know, and playing great defense every night. And he's just been an awesome player for the Thunder and helping them win a lot of games because as we saw when when Russ has to be a one-man show, they're they're not as good as as they are right now. Yeah, but you take Russ over Dame though, right? I probably would. Oh, bro, that hurts. Mate Mainly just because it's, I don't, you know, in a in a game that, you know, using the Bill Simmons reference, if the aliens are coming and we and we have one game to save humanity, Russell Westbrook is gonna 
he's going to compete and run through a brick wall to to get a win. And I and personally, I just haven't seen enough Damian Lillard of that to to truly make me pick him over Russ yet. But they're very close. He's cool. Yeah, he's cooking right now in the All-Star game. Basically, in those 30 seconds you were talking, he just made two shots from literally the logo. So I think he w- he may have been listening. But, uh, well, no, I mean, PG is, he's 29-8-4 right now. And most impressively to me, he's shooting 41% from three on nearly 10 attempts per game. So this is not some, like, low sample size type deal. He's getting shots up. And he's leading the league in steals with 2.3. So not only is he producing offensively, and he, I don't think there's any question he's the Thunder's most valuable player, which is why he's third in our discussion or my on my list of MVP. Um, But I have a question for you in terms of how he stacks up relative to peak KD in OKC. Uh If if KD was a 100, what what are you giving? this version of Paul George, is he a 95? Like how close is Paul George that we're seeing right now to what KD was at the peak of his powers in Oklahoma City? I'd say probably like a 93 or a 94. He's almost there. And so do you you think the Thunder have a realistic chance this year to, to upend the Warriors in the playoffs? I think they can make it a really competitive series, yeah. I... I just don't know with with the addition of Cousins if they can truly if the Warriors can truly be beat in a seven game series, but the Thunder are going to give them all they can handle. Yeah, no, for sure. And as much as I've kind of just been playfully bashing on Russ, it's super impressive. He's he's putting up twenty two, eleven, and eleven, and he's going to have a triple double as we mentioned earlier for the third straight year. I know a lot of people, they're like, yeah, triple-doubles are just arbitrary stats. Like, he's stat hunting, whatever. If it were that easy, everyone would be doing it or trying yeah. to do it. And this man's done it three years in a row. And his you know, his motor is probably his greatest strength and his greatest enemy. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, in a sense. Sometimes it, it definitely plays against him. He's just over-aggressive and whatnot. But... I think he's been much better this year. Obviously, his jump shooting has kind of fallen off a cliff, but he's been effective in other ways. Mm-hmm. So I think the the batting of Russell Westbrook that at times uh, at times is a bit too much, but I think this year he's actually been very solid despite what his shooting numbers kind of show. Yeah, Russ is Russ is a very frustrating player, and it's he's even more frustrating when when you see him with a guy like Paul George or, or Kevin Durant because you want him to defer more to them, but that's just not in, in his nature. Because, yeah. as you said, his motor and his competitiveness is just that he wants to win so badly that that he lets that take over instead of probably passing the ball a little more and deferring when he should. But I'd rather have a guy like that on my team than, than a guy who's going to be over overly deferring in, in the biggest moments. Yeah, no, I'm there with you. So the two guys left, we it's pretty clear it's Giannis and James Harden. We can talk about the order we have the two in each, but let's just kind of let's start with Giannis. What are your – he's t- kind of taking a step every year, a step forward every year he's been in the league, and mm-hmm. this year 
has been no different. What have you kind of noticed or been impressed with, with Giannis this year that's kind of been missing in years past? It feels like almost this year he's reached a level of unstoppable driving to the basket that just wasn't there the last few years. It, it feels like that because he, he still really doesn't have an outside jump shot that when he drives to the basket, it's going to end in a dunk or a foul. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. Yeah. And also just He's, and also it's just the makeup of the Bucks this year with so much more perimeter shooting. The court is just so much more open for him just to drive and dominate a defense going to the hoop. Yeah, the, he the his environment is perfect like you said with those shooters. He the court is so space for Giannis who is I mean nominally like their five man at times yet he's bringing the ball up. Yeah. And the supporting cast is perfect. Bledsoe, Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, super, super valuable as a glue guy and defender. And then Miritich, obviously, that addition is huge. And we haven't mentioned Brook Lopez is absolutely letting them fly of late. It's just, um, an, it's, it's just incredible because when, because when Lopez was in Brooklyn, really, except for that last season, he was, he was one of the best low post scores in the NBA and I can't remember ever seeing him take a take a true three-pointer in the half court and and then once the game kind of changed and the three-point shot became such a huge weapon that all these bigs are taking it he's turned into a really good three-point shooter he's and he's letting them fly with no airspace it's not like these are just wide open threes he's got dudes running at him and he is just letting them loose. It's it's impressive to watch. And, I mean, under Budenholzer there, he's probably going to win coach of the year. Great coach. But great coach, no doubt. Giannis definitely needs to improve his three-point shooting. He's at 23% right now. If, if someday he can get that to even 30 or 33%, it, it, <laughs> I, it's hard to even articulate how – unstoppable he would become if he could just get improve his jump shot in the slightest bit. It's just, dude, do you think that once Giannis gets that three-point shot, he'll be, like, he'll truly be the best player in the NBA? Oh, I mean, if he can get a three-point shot, there's no question, because he's already in the discussion right now for most dangerous player in the league, but I... I would pose the question this way. If if you could start a franchise today with any player moving forward, so this includes Luka, this includes Zion, this includes Steph Curry, this includes anyone you want to include, is there anyone you're choosing over Giannis? I'd still pick LeBron over him. Um, I, 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 I would, will ride and die with LeBron until the death. I'm not taking LeBron over Giannis. Oh. I would still take LeBron over Giannis, and I'd have to think really hard about Durant. Dude, Le- LeBron's gonna. LeBron has probably three or four years left max. Giannis's prime is gonna be another seven, eight years. Le- Giannis is not gonna be LeBron's age for another nine years. So I'm taking Giannis over LeBron. I think LeBron's, assuming he's at health for the rest of this season, I I think the Lakers still have a chance to make the playoffs, and he's still the best player in the world, but. If I'm starting a franchise today, I don't think there's anyone in the league I'm taking over Giannis. 
But also assuming that I start a franchise today with LeBron and let's say his prime really is three more years, I'm I'm trusting myself that I could build a better team around him than than the Lakers have. That I think I'm going to make the finals these these next three years if I have LeBron in his prime. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to fault you for choosing LeBron. They're like they're, they're, you, you cannot go wrong choosing the greatest player of all time. We could talk about that later. But um, if, if it were me right now at this point in time, I'm going, I'm going Giannis. The better question, I think, is Durant versus Giannis. I just I don't like Durant's personality, man. Like, I don't either. It's just, but, but just pure basketball-wise. Pure basketball-wise? Dude, Durant, he might be the best pure scorer in the league, just off a pure basketball sense. And it's it's going to be great seeing that in New York next year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I mean, I, I'm still going Giannis. Giannis is Giannis is my pick if, if we're doing a fantasy draft and I'm having anyone moving forward. Even as just a person, he's very personable. He's very marketable. He's got great a good kid. sense of humor. He's a great. Yeah, kid. I feel like it's only a matter of time before. I'm not necessarily sure guys are going to want to go play in Milwaukee, and I'm not sure if Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee. But it's, I, I think guys are going to kind of gravitate towards him and want to play with him. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, Chris Middleton's a free agent this summer, and I think he'll probably resign. But if, if the cap situation is right and Milwaukee has flexibility, I wouldn't be shocked to see someone want to go play with Giannis. We even saw AD have Milwaukee on his list, although I'm not really sure how... Yeah, apparently anything, all the teams are on his list now except for the Pelicans. Yeah, that's but uh, but so he's got to make up his mind, man. So back to Giannis for just one second in terms of in terms of this season. Honestly, he has just incredible level of potential. But in my mind, the Bucks are the second best team in the NBA besides the Warriors this season, and I think that has to be considered very heavily in this context of MVP for Giannis. Because the because the Warriors are, are are the Warriors, so but the best team in the league besides them has been the Bucks this season, and and shouldn't we reward the the best player on the best team? Because in the idea of value, if you replace Giannis with a replacement level player, the Bucks might not make the playoffs. I see where you're going. Um, I think as we touched on the environment that he's in and kind of the supporting cast and his situation has allowed him to be very successful. Obviously he's very talented. Obviously I would take him over any other guy in the league, but a lot of the reason why I don't have Giannis one right now is because what some guy named James Harden is doing down in Houston. He's just also Harden's just another guy with, with a perfect system and perfect personnel and a perfect situation around him right now to, to just be awesome. To be awesome. He's Houston's fifth in the West right now, 33 and 24. James Harden is putting up 36.6 points per game, seven boards and eight assists. Just for some historical context, Kobe put up 35.4 in 2006. So James Harden has scored the most this century. That was the next closest, and he scored the most since Jordan scored 37.1 per game in 1987. And even wilder, since the calendars turned to 2019, James Harden's averaging nearly 42 points per game. 
he's just been incredible. And, and he's right now, especially when Paul was, was hurt, he was such a high-volume shooter. But that didn't lower his efficiency that much either. Right. And he's been asked to do everything. He's leading the league in minutes. He's at 37 minutes per game. And this is another thing that stuck out to me. So far this season, he has already made 274 three-pointers. If the season ended today, that would be fifth all time. Yeah. They've they played 57 games. The record is 402 threes made in a season. So that's 100 and what is that? 128? Is that quick math? I think it's 128 over their last 26 games, so that's roughly five a game you guys can get your calculators out but i think my my mental math was decent there not when you're driving um, though yeah no not when you're driving but so if he hits five threes a game let's say over the course of the next 25 games that they play he's gonna have the most threes of all time in a, in a season and another interesting note i'm not sure if the audience listens to, or reads zach Lowe. i know you do david yep but he said James Harden right now is on pace for 270 made step-back threes. So, obviously, the isolation that he does, he kind of, you know, squares his man up, goes step-back. Travels, yeah. Tra- okay, sometimes. Steph Curry, in 2013, he set the record for threes with 273 total threes. And, obviously, that record's been broken by he and Clay repetitively. Yeah. Uh, over the past couple of years, Steph Steph has three of the highest uh, total three pointers made seasons, and Clay has the other one. And James Harden sits fifth currently. But just to put into context, he's making step back threes at a rate that very few have ever made threes. Period. You know, it's that's such an, an incredible stat. But also, he gets criticized so much for the way that he plays with with a step back three that you know I'm j- I joke around that it's a travel but it really does look like a travel and the way that he hunts fouls do you think that we're going to see in these last 25-ish games more of a backlash to the style of Harden's play the way that we saw towards Westbrook's MVP campaign when he was hunting for those triple doubles uh I, I'm not sure sh- Russell <laughs> I'm not sure I think Recently, Harden, I, I believe he still has that streak going. I think it's 31 or 32 straight games where he has had 30 points or more, which is mm. incredible. I heard a stat recently. Only 14 players in the league right now have a streak of 10 or more points in 30 straight games, and he has a streak of 32 straight games with 30 or more points. And in some of those games, he's hit threes towards the end where you know the, the game was out of hand. It was a meaningless basket, but it did extend his streak. So I could see where fans would kind of get irritated or upset if he's in a point in the game where he's really only playing for his personal stats. And Westbrook, I never really felt Westbrook was in that boat, but he did get criticized uh, for, for such. I don't think he should be kind of put under the microscope and look at in that in that light, but I wouldn't be shocked if you know he, he garnered some backlash for it. And I think... If the season were to end right now, just to be clear, I would have Harden, but I think Giannis would win the award because he fits the narrative. You know, this up-and-coming player who's never really 
he's never won an MVP. His team's having success. And I just think it fits the mold of how the media has typically voted for mm-hmm. the award historically. Although I would give it to Harden. But my question to you would be, do you like this style of play with the step backs and isolation and James Harden, I'm just going to bring the ball up, pound the rock 20 times. And as the shot clock expires, shoot the step back three. Do you enjoy that? Enjoy watching it? Or do you find it kind of tiresome? You know, I don't enjoy watching it that much, but I also don't think that, that matters. And and I think that's a really important distinction to make as, as I obviously ask you the question about the backlash towards his style of play. Because I was definitely experienced at, you know, talking to buddies about about the league and there was some crazy stat that he, he had like 150-plus points in a row that were unassisted, which is, which is just incredible because that means that, they're, that, he, that he didn't even receive a pass on a fast break for a layup or something. You know, all his points during this, during this streak was, was unassisted, and it's not that great to watch. It's, it's, you, know, you know exactly what's going to happen every single play. They hunt for... In the pick and roll, they hunt for the matchup they want. They get the switch and harden iso, 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 dribble, 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 step back or drive to get either to the to the free throw line, a step back three for himself, or a wide open three for someone else. So it's not enjoyable to watch, but that doesn't mean that what he's doing isn't incredible and shouldn't be rewarded. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I think I hope it's not held against him. I don't think it should be. I think it might. But to me personally, I love watching what he's doing. He's he's basically he's telling you what he's going to do, and he's basically saying, "Stop me." Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's like Chad Johnson or, or Chad Ochocinco. The stories of him lining up across from a DB and being like, "Hey, buddy, I'm running a slant route. Try and stop me." Yeah, and just doing that over and over and over again. Um, I mean, it's surgical, and you you know what's coming, and yet you either let him get the shot off or what happens a lot of times is he gets fouled. And it is so effective, and the Rockets' offense relies upon him so much that I think, assuming he keeps this pace up, and that's kind of a big if, he's obviously he's, he's lost gas before in the playoffs, and he's also never carried a load quite as large as this one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he holds up. But I think as it stands right now, it's hard to not vote James Harden for MVP, in my opinion. I think that you made an interesting point about about the fouls. I think that's the toughest part of his game to really enjoy watching is the is the baiting and a lot of times what, what it seems like flopping his way to get to the free throw line. Because... It's awesome, and he's helping his team win because he's a eighty-seven percent free throw shooter, and those are almost automatic for him. But from just as from just as a fan of just you know long day, you just want to turn on TV, watch you know for entertainment purposes. Watching a lot of free throw attempts is is not great entertainment, and I think that's the backlash that Harden gets the most is is kind of just. The fouls that that he draws, and people don't talk about how good he, how good you have to be to draw that many fouls, and people mainly focus on on the lack of entertainment value, 
And I think that another thing that people aren't talking about is the Warriors play such a style and brand of basketball that is so much fun to watch with the way that they pass and they always talk about playing with joy and that gets annoying after a while, but it really does look like that they are playing with a lot of joy. And when you watch the Rockets, it's just the opposite of, yeah, no. of the way that the of the way that the Warriors play. So it goes from, you know, something that everyone says is super fun and awesome into something that is just so different. Are you are you comfortably with Harden or are you is it very close? I I still think that it's close. I think that if the Bucks really win 65 games this year and the Rockets win 56 or 53 or whatever that they end up with, it's it's going to be close. And just in terms of the winning and, and the team success that Giannis would have at this at the same crazy numbers, and also we we have to see if, if Harden can really keep up this this workload over the over the whole season. Because as you said, he's averaging 37 minutes a game. He takes almost every single shot when he's on the court for them. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, the burden that he's carrying is crazy, and I think Mike D'Antoni likes it that way, but it's kind of come back to to bite them in the ass in the playoffs. Yep. Obviously, the, the game against San Antonio two years ago is one that I'll always kind of remember and is a huge stain on Harden's, I mean, legacy, if you will that he kind of just no-showed game six, and the Spurs, Kawhi wasn't even playing in that game. And then last year, Chris Paul got hurt, and we all kind of know what happened uh, Know what happened there. Mm-hmm. But it's it'll be interesting to see if he's able to withstand this workload because, quite frankly, Kobe in 2006 is, you know, notorious. Like, he had that streak of... Uh, games in one month, I think it was January or February, where you look up and it's like 48, 48, 44, 46, 48. And Harden is kind of in the season right now in that same light. And I just think if he can continue this for the final 25 games of the season, no matter how effective Giannis is, the thing is Giannis is consistent. He's 27 and 12 every night. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really... There's not much variance in his game, which is very, very good. And it's, I mean, that's valuable in, it, in itself. But his, his, like, Harden's point of impact, I just feel, is, is greater, than, greater than Giannis's right now. And he's, he's affecting his team and having more of an influence on his team winning, albeit not at the clip of the Bucks. But without James Harden, this Rockets team is lost. And Chris Paul... That contract is, you know, in the same light as John Wall's contract in terms of it's worse. Just being right. Chris Chris Paul, his numbers look okay. If you're not watching him play, he's putting up fifteen and eight or sixteen and seven, something like that. He looks bad, man. And James Harden is really running the show solo. And I think for that he, he should be rewarded with the MVP. Yeah, I mean the the thing about Paul, I'll just say really quickly, is that he's clearly a guy who's just trying to make it to, to the playoffs, and, and we'll see what, what he looks like once once the games truly count. But I think that the biggest thing to go to Harden's advantage is, even though I think that if you take Giannis off the Bucks, they're a fringe playoff team, if you take Harden off the Rockets, especially when he went on this crazy run when Paul got hurt, if Harden wasn't on that team, they'd 
the Rockets would probably be in the same breath as the Knicks and the Bulls in the tanking for Zion race, which I think is the, which I think is the true indicator of value, which is kind of like the LeBron argument, which is when he plays, you say this team can make the Western Conference Finals and challenge the Warriors again. And when he's out and we don't have our other all-star, which is what happened this year, we might win the lottery. And I think that the Bucks wouldn't win. And I think the, that the difference is the Bucks without Giannis wouldn't win the lottery or be in contention for that. They, they'd be a fringe 8 seed on the fighting for the playoffs spot. Yeah, I'm there with you on that. So let's, let's just briefly talk about some of the guys because we did our top five, as you guys heard. What, who are some of the other guys who you considered? I mentioned uh, Embiid was my sixth guy. Who are some of the other guys you kind of considered but didn't ultimately include in your top five? Yeah, so obviously there's, there's LeBron James, who really should win this award every single year, but, but he's now gotten to the point where it's almost MVP. It should just be named most valuable player, not named LeBron James. But so... He, I didn't have him in my top five this year because he's missed a lot of time due to injury, so he just hasn't played it enough games. Uh, some of the other guys I had were uh, Steph Curry and, and, and Kevin Durant, which I want to talk about for a quick second, which is that they are so good, and they're both having such great seasons. But in terms of just their team success... I still think that the Warriors would be awesome, even if one of them went down with an injury. Yeah, I uh, I also consider LeBron, as you touched on earlier. I just don't think they're – I mean, he's missed so many games. I, I believe it's 19 games he missed with that, with that groin injury. And Katie and Steph, as you just brought up, they're both having such good seasons. And ex- I feel exactly the same way that you do. Just them being on the same team it nullifies it to me. I just I can't I couldn't Having give five all stars, yeah. Right. I couldn't give one of them the MVP over the other. They're both numerically having better seasons than probably all but three guys that we talked about. Mm-hmm. But I just I, I can't get aboard, you know, giving them serious consideration when they're each other's teammates. And and you know, the the league loves giving the award almost as a it's a multi-year award that you build up to it and and both of these guys have have won MVPs Curry has two and and Durant has has won so these guys have won the award before and with five all-stars on that team it's, it's hard to distinguish really who who truly is the most valuable I think Curry and Durant are but I think it's hard to distinguish between those two a lot of the time I also think just kind of touching on something you just brought up, how they each won it before. I think when this race kind of gets down to the to the finish line and the seasons, you know, and it's it's home stretch. I think the fact that Harden has won one before last year, yeah, and Giannis hasn't is going to play in Giannis's favor. I don't think it should be like that, but as I said, I think it is like that, and Giannis fits the narrative of this up and coming guy. He's going to take the the mantle from LeBron as the best in the league and all of that, I think that's going to play in his advantage. Uh, and similarly, like how you said with Stady or Katie and Steph, they, them winning it before 
along with them being teammates certainly doesn't help matters for their for their uh, candidacy. Yeah, I think that if Harden's scoring average per game remains over 34 or 35 a game like it is right now, it'll be really hard for him to lose. But if his drops closer to closer to to 30, then I think it's Giannis has a true legitimate chance to go in and, and steal that award cuz because of as you said Harden won last year and Giannis hasn't won yet. Yeah. And then then the other guy who I considered but I ultimately didn't include was Kawhi Leonard. I think he's been very very solid this year. A lot of people were uncertain how he would be after coming back from that kind of San Antonio ordeal last year. Mm-hmm. Similarly, uh it's kind of funny to compare and contrast how he handled that situation versus versus how uh, AD handled it. And AD was actually another one who I thought about. He's been super efficient, super effective this year, but just kind of given the whole situation down in uh down in New Orleans, it just it didn't feel right to really consider him uh much further than writing his name down because yeah, of kind I, of all yeah. that happened. Yeah, I docked him, you know, in in our notes that we have, you know, I docked him just 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 for being a you know, super annoying about this whole trade rumor stuff. And it doesn't take away that he, that he's having just a great season, but but I just have a hard time imagining the the, the media giving him the award when when he's really turning his back on, on his franchise the way and, he and has. And that's, that's not to mention that they're closer to being – the destination for the number one overall pick than they are to the eight seed right now. And yeah, I know, I mean, yeah, LeBron's, the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs, which is why, I mean, they might not make the playoffs. I think that's still kind of up in the air, and we'll see how they they come out and how much LeBron wants to engage moving forward. But the, the lack of team success in New Orleans and Los Angeles, uh, along with LeBron's injury and the drama surrounding Anthony Davis are also reasons why they're not really given serious consideration in terms of the MVP this season. Yeah, if if you were a top five MVP guy, I'm sorry, but you have to make the playoffs. Yeah, you, that's that's a non-starter. If you don't make the playoffs, your your name's crossed off the list. So just just to recap, Dave, why don't why don't you just list your top five in order? So there's a sense of clarity because I know it was a little uh, jumbled the way we did that. Yeah, so so my top five going in reverse order, so starting with five and going down to one, is five is Nikola Jokic, four would be Paul George, and I have Embiid, Giannis, and Harden rounding out the top three. Yeah, so I had I had Damian Lillard, Dame Time, at five. Then I had Nikola Jokic at four. PG, Paul George, I had him at three. And if he keeps playing the way he's playing, I could see him. I think it's a three-man race. So PG was three. I had Giannis at two. And right now, James Harden's one. And a lot can change. Maybe not a lot can change, but it definitely can change over the next two months or so uh, before the before the playoffs get started and, and the awards kind of wrap up. But um that that's kind of how I see it right now. Mm-hmm. So we uh, it's kind of all we've got for episode three of the double double. I think we'll be back later this week, hopefully, 
maybe talking yep. some more hoops, maybe some football happenings or sounds like Harper Machado might be signing soon. So we might get to talk about that, but um, that's all we've got for now. Hope you guys, hope you guys enjoyed listening and we'll be back back with episode four later this week.